Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary with me, Russell Brand. This week I spoke with Adrian Missler, aka Yoga with Adrian. Why don't you do this bit of the Why? info? Which bit? Well, the bit where you say what Yoga with Adrian is. I don't have a script, sorry. Well, you wrote it, didn't you? <laughs> but I can't remember things, remember? Can't remember things? I have a terrible uh, memory. Well, did you forget the word memory just there? <laughs> I, I can quote things verbatim. Can't you? No. I can't quote things. Who yes, you things? can. That's can't... all you do. Do I quote things verbatim? Yeah. Mean, that's all I do. When? <laughs> all the time. I'm always quoting things verbatim. You're just always saying things that you remember written down. I couldn't do any Shakespeare quotes. Even the dagger one. <laughs> you can't even remember the old dagger one. Is this a dagger I see before me? Yeah, I'd say I see a dagger in front of me or something. Well, that would be to ruin <laughs> a great speech. You can do a whole Shakespeare play. I'm going to do one. Yeah, so you've got memory. I'm going to do a whole play, Shakespeare monologues, put together to tell a story. Can you believe that? Can we put that in? Yeah. Okay. In fact, we should get Ian Rickson on, shouldn't we? Why don't we do that? All right, look. Adrian's an actor, a yoga teacher, an entrepreneur, even though Jenny wrote actress, didn't you? Yeah. She's best known for her incredibly popular YouTube channel, Yoga with Adrian. That's got nearly 10 million subscribers. She's also the co-founder of the yoga video subscription service, Find What Feels Good. Now, Jen, you've written that in pink. Yeah. Why? Just to emphasize it. <laughs> okay. Why are you emphasizing that? Because it's her thing. Banter decanter. Did you have a nice time in Switzerland? What were you doing? We watched a lot of Line of Duty. Thanks for the Toblerone. Why Line of Duty? Told it was good. Was it? Yeah, it was really good. Is it the one with Stephen Graham in it? It's really good. Is it Stephen Graham? I don't know who Stephen Graham is. It's a Scouse actor. Isn't this is England? It's brilliant. It oh, there. that's him. Is he the one that we saw in the play? He's dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> in Line of Duty, he's dead. What? <laughs> that is a spoiler you're not supposed to say the things but thankfully I saw that episode so if you don't mind calling Yoga with Adrian an actress you spoiled a plot of Line of Duty that's a it's bad thing to it's say. like you've torn a page out of he, the Lord's Bible we thought he was the best actor in it it was disappointing when he did or did not die <laughs> why would it be disappointing if he did not die because he did I love him. He's a bloody good actor. Was he in that play that we saw multiple times? In what the play National, did we see multiple Like times? Red Line or something. That's Daniel Mays. <laughs> oh, who's <laughs> Steve Graves? It's a different one. <laughs> you bet. You haven't given me a spoiler. So it's not a spoiler. He was, refer he was referring to Stephen Graham, is. though. I'm He'll not... be referring to Stephen Graham. You're referring to Danny Mays. <laughs> Why would you do that? Probably because you didn't buy him any chocolate. I got him a pan of chocolate. We're here in the office. I'm having some soup. Look, in a minute, we're going into a serious podcast. I've just come off doing Robert McFarlane, a brilliant writer who wrote the uh, exquisite book, Underland. I've been really concentrating. I've done a lot of videos today. And I thought, for once, Jenny May could carry some of the burden of this. <laughs> but I was wrong. Well, she can't, can you? He ruined it. How? He gave away a spoiler to a show that I'm actually enjoying. I don't enjoy anything. Look, Jen, it's been out for ages. It's what, so what? what? what Do you know what happens at the end of the Gospels? Jesus gets yeah, crucified. Oh, spoiler, spoiler. I was hoping he was going to be fine. That's not entertainment. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a cliffhanger in the Gospel. Don't you dare. 
Don't you dare <laughs> criticise our Lord in that manner. Um, okay. Did you like that? Uh, so come on, tell me what you did in... You bought sunglasses. What kind? Jacques Marie. Marie Can I see them? Have you got them? I forgot to bring them because it was dark when I woke up. So I didn't think sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. <laughs> oh, it's like the world's my sunglasses. You saw the world as your sunglasses because it was dark. <laughs> yeah. They have a nice kind of golden tint, so the world looks really nice. Oh, I love that. Are they yeah. quite wide? Quite wide, big glass? They're not as wide as my other ones. Now I have two pairs of glasses. So. Like pimpish ones. Mm, it looks more like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas stuff. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'll take a pair of them. <laughs> Next time you come back, as well as a big Toblerone, I'd like some nice sunglasses. When are you going again? Don't know. Did it go nice? Yeah, it was fine. Why are you shrugging your shoulder? Oh, what are you expecting to hear? Maybe some of the deets. <laughs> what else happened? Will you be trotting round Norwich any time soon? No. Why? Because life's too difficult. Life is difficult. <laughs> That's true. Too difficult for love. Yeah. Too difficult for romance. Mm. Too difficult for any of that stuff. <laughs> that's supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> Jen you don't want to make a decision at your age to die an old spinster that's not very nice that's worse than saying actress <laughs> <laughs> well because spinster's a gendered term yeah what's wrong with women that don't want a man around them all the time doesn't have to be a man you could be married to a woman well, unless you well if you're heterosexual are you <laughs> I'm nothing. <laughs> Don't ever say that again, Jen. You are not nothing. You are something very, very special. Noel Fitzpatrick sent a nice video. He's writing you a poem, apparently. Yeah, Super that's unexpected. Fitz, former guest of Under Skin. Yeah. I wonder what it says. I don't know. Would it rhyme? I would imagine so. Someone like Noel Fitzpatrick, yeah, he's a sort of he's a, an interesting case, isn't he? Now, yoga with Adrian, with Adrian, yoga with Adrian. We're going to learn a little bit about yoga, the place of yoga in the modern world, whether or not yoga and modernity can ever really align. And also I found it a conversation with a person with great clarity. It's certainly a world away from Glenn Greenwald, where it's like being, in a sense, confronted with that room that crushes them in Star Wars. You know where they fall into the rubbish and they're crushed. Well, okay, well, anyway, he's <laughs> clever and it's a very sort of powerful pressurizing intellect. And under pressure, music says, this is a comment. I, I must well, have you have to that. say comments and then the thing comes. Oh, time now. for. I've not fully finished doing banter. Maybe I've given you a gentle ribbing. Uh-oh. But would you call it banter? It's because you were eating soup, so you're quite happy. I know. Even though it's cold <laughs> soup, it worked well. And I tried to convince myself it was that kind of, you know, gazpacho. <laughs> Don't try to say gazpacho sooner than me, Jen. <laughs> I was on that. Uh, under pressure under, right, now time for comments 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 now time for comments under pressure music says as far as Glenn is concerned he's the greatest journalist that has ever lived bar none there you go can't argue with that I'd be pleased to hear that if I, what people should do if they are a guest on the show is not bother to listen to the one that they're in because oh, yeah. the intro's so long that they'd be like, oh, God, when's it going to be me? When's it going to be me? But they should listen to the next one and then they'd hear comments about themselves relatively quickly, having only endured the banter decanter and whatever swill you've poured into it. <laughs> and where the hell's Steph Hoy? 
You've alienated her. You no. alienated her. Get in touch with her, Jen. Send her a message. Say what's Steph underscore Hoy. Tell Steph underscore Hoy if there's something we can do to re-engage her, we'll do it. <laughs> so have her on the podcast. Would <laughs> <laughs> like to be a guest. Galian Wood, Russell, keep searching for answers. You're very intelligent. I'm on the right because I cannot make common sense of the left. Oh, Galian Wood, I really just love you and I just don't see any boundaries between any of us. Remember when Candice Owens, and let's face it, she a controversial guest, came on, she went, she went, oh, I suppose you, let's all live on Lollipop Lane. And she skipped around, didn't she? And I thought, I refuse to, I'm going to love everybody. Time now for the new section called Listener Shout Outs. Listen to shout outs. When yeah, am I going to hit? Is there a jingle? Yeah. Have I heard this one? Yeah, the, the hip hop one. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Is there a, but there's one I've not heard yet. What's that one? Um. Well, there's Goodbye, this thing. I, oh, yeah, my Michael Jackson one. We haven't one. done Jingle Jangle or Jingle Jangle. What are you ever? doing the whole time you're over because, there? Watching Line of Duty, yeah, not knowing who the lead actors are. Eating uh, attempting vegan, the splits, vegan chicken nuggets. Eating vegan... So many. You can get vegan chicken nuggets in They've Switzerland. Incredi- and vegan... What, from a takeaway? No, from the co-op. Is it actually called the co-op? Yeah, it's where we get your special chocolate from. It's amazing. I'm going to go that country. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen to shout-outs. Ian, in Finland, go... When is Thank You For Listening by Russell Brand going on Spotify? Lovely voice. P.S. Jenny, I'm painfully thin <laughs> with a chiseled jaw. jaw. It's one of those Ians that's got too many eyes in it though does that is that a problem Eans for you are often thin aren't they you will never meet a fat ian <laughs> you could you could live a hundred years the thin ians of the world peter crowd should be called ian yeah he should he should be called ian <laughs> Eat the thin yeah most of the ians ians are thin it's a it's a thin sounding name if you're a non-thin ian <laughs> contact us here um, Melissa, Mel- you're not really. Are you looking for a chisel drawer at the moment, or are you chisel drawed up? What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> you got a nice chisel drawer. I'm always sad. <laughs> you're not always sad. Is it what's what causing it? You think the eyebrows? My eyebrows. Is it the sheer weight? <laughs> I love my eyebrows. It's one of the few things I like. On Look. the face. I like the rest. It looks like you like him. It's as if you're trying to grow him to cover your old leg. <laughs> Melissa Alsbergas from Hawaii, if you can imagine that, says, Dear Russell and Jim, I love the way you have fun. It took me a while not to be annoyed by the banter. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us feel that way. Only because I don't know how to have much fun. Oh, well done, Melissa. You've gone on a journey of fun. Thanks for the great interviews, helping me to be conscious and learn how to have fun in spite of the painful transformation the planet is experiencing. You've got to have fun. We all need more fun, happy and awake conversations, which you bring to the mainstream media. Well, I don't know if it's the mainstream. It's a subscription model podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> it's only you and Steph Hoy listening. <laughs> Keep it coming. Thank yeah, you. Good. Thank you, Melissa. We taught someone how to have fun. That's good. I mean, that's for the job we're doing here. Now, the other thing that we're doing on Above the Noise, the other podcast that you produce, and I must say I, I prefer you on that, Jim, because you don't <laughs> say a word. It, like, that's my meditation, my guided meditation podcast. When are you doing it? What are you doing? You're on the phone, are you? On Pinterest? No, or, Pinterest. What, you're on Grindr? I'm not, doing, I'm not a gay man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you on? I'm just looking at the waveforms. That's what you do. <laughs> like you look like at this. a waveform. Yeah, to make sure it's doing okay, because you go very quiet. 
And then I don't want it to stop or anything. Look <laughs> <laughs> at the waveform. That's, That's what my job me. is. To look at the waveform. I'm sound engineering. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Jen, Jen, Jen. Are you looking um, at the waveform now? I'm sending now? telepathic feelings into your meditation. Are you doing that? Maybe. What like? <laughs> they better not be destructive because I'm like sensitive what? to that. Like, oh, I hope you stutter. Something like that. No. Chrissy Foxton says <laughs> about above the noise. She goes, just completed the anxiety meditation. I went from an eight to a three. That's cool. It was a very lovely meditation. My first with you. So thank you. Pav Shahal goes, I'm so glad you've done this meditation show. I've just finished the anxiety one. I truly felt the transportation from my inner self to outer, I guess out into the universe. Or that feeling of expansion back to the inner self, rejuvenated, and I'm ready to start my day. As someone who does meditation sporadically, I look forward to these releasing weekly, hoping to build a more frequent and daily practice. Thanks, mate. So, like, if you've uh, just listened to Under the Skin, have a little meditation straight after this, or, you know, even before it. We can't do that now, because that's already happened. Mailing list. Are you on it? Do you get it? Get on the mailing list. I tell you little intimate stories. I arrange like live Zoom phone-in things where you can sort of be in a Zoom call with me. And I guess soon we're going to be doing live shows at the end of the year in the United Kingdom. So get on the mailing list to communicate with me. Sort of, we need to build a sense of community. I know I feel like sometimes I'm overloading you with content, but you need, you need it and I need it. We need a more concentrated form of community. We need to get together and build a new nation. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Too much? Um, <clears throat> also, what about my YouTube channel? There's the Awakening one. It's Mental Health Awareness Week, or it has been. And I've done a really good video about that. Annabelle said it was good. And also there's, uh, you know, there's the stuff where I talk about bloody hell, UFOs, everything, really. It's a fantastic thing. I don't want to look. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I've got to get, we've got to go on to the yoga with Adrian. Yeah. All right, Jen, are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready to look at some waveforms? Are you ready well, to I've sound? So what are you going to do? Nothing. Yeah, it's the weekend. What's the is it now it's the weekend? Yes, yeah, Saturday. It's Saturday now? Yeah. Life. Glorious <laughs> life. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the Skin. It's interesting to speak to you as both a yoga teacher and I suppose an inadvertent entrepreneur um, or if not an entrepreneur, like online success story. I always feel like with people that have become successful on YouTube, it must be, well, I, my assumption is it must be surprising because it's a relatively new platform. It's a relatively new type of fame. What were you... How, how did you transition from presumably being a teacher in, um, you know, a, 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 in an ordinary local space to an online? What was that transition like for you? And how have you coped with what must be a sort of an extraordinary exponential growth and the responsibility that comes with that? Boom. Well, you nailed it there. The, the real growth happened when I realized that there was a different level of responsibility or my relationship to kind of responsibility change. But um, to kind of go back to the beginning, it was a bit of a slow burn, that transition. I had been teaching. I, I was a young teacher. You know, I, I was looking for something to really support my career as an actor, as an artist, really. I grew up in a family of artists and 
I just always assumed that my life would really maintain that shape and I would just sculpt it, right? The life of an artist. And in a lot of ways, I still, I mean, very much so feel that I'm still an artist and I'm still sculpting what that looks like. Um, but I was really attracted to yoga as a, as a way to maybe support my growth as an artist and quite frankly, my career. So I was a very young teacher and went really full in, like invested um, when I was 18. And, you know, that's such a textbook age, right? Like coming of age, but it, it is for a reason. And um, I think I started attending yoga regularly at 17 after an experience I had with a, a acting training in upstate New York that kind of shaped my life and in a lot of ways has sculpted the way I lead and, and guide, particularly as a yoga teacher, but I think just as a citizen too. Um, so really I went all in kind of at 18. I thought that this would be a smart career move to support my acting versus like bartending or, you know, working in environments that could get me in a little more trouble. Uh, and I didn't know that, right. That was just like an intuitive thing back then. Like this will be better. This will help me. I was a physical actor. I thought, oh, this is like perfect. It'll go hand in hand. Oh, there's all this breath work. It'll be good for the voice because I wasn't act like a serious actor, you know, at a young age. So I wanted to, I definitely wanted to uh, hone my craft through training of my body and my breath really early on. So it was a bit of a slow burn because I was starting to teach in small places around my hometown, which I'm in today, Austin. And I started with kids, you know, no one's giving an 18 year old the big Saturday noon class, you know, <laughs> like that's just not happening. And also yoga wasn't as popular, of course, as you can imagine then um, in Austin or many parts of the U.S. And so a lot of the teachers that were kind of leading those big weekend classes, those big community gatherings, you know, they've been teaching for a long time and they were, they were kind of the master teachers of the town. And so I got to get involved in that way and really be in yoga in a community setting early on. And it wasn't till much later after many, many years of, I always joke, uh, lugging a big old jam box the size of my torso, you know, around with burn CDs and, and, a journal of notes for what I wanted to teach and how I wanted to share information. It wasn't until after years of doing that and teaching a lot of kids, it took a while for me to land an adult, you know, yoga class that um, I was invited to start the YouTube channel. So a lot of people don't know, but the YouTube channel was not my idea. <laughs> I don't think I would have ever had that idea. And I think had, had my friend and of course, now business partner, not invited me to entertain that idea. I don't think I would have ever landed in a digital yoga. I, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah. There's a few questions. One is like, how many years was it before you sort of started doing adult classes? Um, also, how was that proposal made to you? Why don't you start doing this on YouTube? And, and how was it explained to you then? And were you aware when you were, because when someone becomes extraordinarily successful like you, they're, I feel like if you're gonna take out just sheer plain luck, 
you know, even though I suppose in anybody that's successful, that's a component. There must be something that you're doing that is connecting with people. And I wonder if you could see or feel that when you were teaching, you know, kids and transitioning to teaching adults. Did you sort of think, oh, I'm going to, I think that people should teach classes more like this, like when you were in other people's classes and stuff. Were you aware of something you were doing? And even presumably the person that made the suggestion that you take it online must have seen something. And I wonder if you could tie those sort of numerous questions together. Yes, I think that, you know, there's part of me that wants to answer this from all like it's all in the divine timing. It was all guided by angels sort of way. And and I will. But I think. To be more specific, it was again, a bit of a slow burn of, of kind of knowing that I am the type of person that goes all in, extremely loyal to my love for for anything. And when I fell in love with yoga, it's going to sound a little bit you know, cheesy today, but I mean, I really fell in love. Like I really was having, right, um, experiences that particularly as a young person, I just had never experienced before. Tears of joy outside of like, seeing Oklahoma live on stage, you know, but like it was a different kind of joy, different kind of experience. So, so I really went all in and as luck would have it, or this is where the kind of guided by angels part comes in. I was extremely later on, not so much. So for those listening, but at this point I was very reliable. I was really trying to prove myself, really trying to uh, prove to everyone that I was, an adult and independent. I moved out of the house as soon as possible, you know, that sort of thing. So when I got the, when I started to get the kids gigs, I went all in on that too. I mean, I was, you know, I was eating beans and rice at home, but I was buying, you know, vegan cookies for the kids or like always making sure we had a snack and no one asked me to do that. No one was paying for me to do that, but I wanted to create like this whole experience for the kids. Um, you know, there is no reference for me on the internet. I hardly had a working computer, right? So I would get books from the half price bookstore or the local bookstore and kind of like create these almost theatrical experiences for the kids, right? With a really clear beginning, middle and end. Around that same time, again, as the angels would have conducted it, I'm sure I was also getting jobs, again, not in the bar or in the restaurant. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just feel like not being there really supported me and kind of landing where I am today or getting to kind of learn about myself without that distraction, which of course I ended up having plenty of distraction later too. But at this time I was also getting jobs working uh, with children outside of yoga. So in creative drama and theater arts. So it was all kind of coming together. And when I started to get those first jobs teaching adults, I know there were there were teachers that were older than me in the community that I think were like, what? Why did you give it to this girl? <laughs> She's a kid. But I think it's because there were certain people, and I can name them too with, with utmost gratitude, that saw the amount of energy I was kind of putting in. And I mean, really for nothing <laughs> in return at the time, at the time. Um, and so they... I believe, and again, I, I just feel so grateful for, for these mentors, these, these angels, walking angels, that, that I feel like they, they were excited by my investment of energy and my um, 
I don't know, actually, I have no idea, but they, they wanted to invest in me. So I, I was given a lot of opportunities that looking back now, I'm like, wow, you should feel proud about that. At the time, I was just like, whoa, okay, here we go. Um, and so took on that responsibility with the kids, took on that opportunity with the adults. And then all the while I'm doing theater and film and commercial. And that is actually where I met my business partner was through the film community here in Texas. And at that time, kind of Austin film, unfortunately, a lot of the arts, right, has changed, and even more so in the past year, um, kind of mourning the loss of Austin theater right now, but maybe it'll come back. But I, I met Chris, my business partner, actually through the art scene. So not in the wellness scene, not in the fitness scene. I, I didn't really have a, a lot of friends, to be honest, in the wellness scene or even in the yoga community. I had a little spot, like a little humble spot as the youngest person in the room in a lot of studios or kind of cooler settings, but I didn't have, I mean, I had zero friends my age in that setting. So I say all of this because I, I feel like I may not be able to put the words together, to be honest, just to be transparent of like why these things are important, but I feel like they are important for kind of where this all landed or where we're at now, kind of how it all sculpted and, and shaped to be the way it is now. So uh, Benji's about to bark because there's a farm delivery. Should I take a pause? I think I would like to hear Benji bark. I think it will only add to the authenticity of the experience. I mean, if you have to pop out and take the, the delivery, I'll simply fill time with my reflections. But if you're still here, <clears throat> I'll tell you like what I was just thinking while I'm listening to you, Adrienne, is that um, like on a more um, just sort of practical level I, I, i'm curious as to what chris said about you know oh, let's do this online but what i can sort of see speaking directly with you is that you have clearness you have real clearness real clarity and i was reminded of something that you know andy puddicombe who started headspace he told me that when he was a monk he met like a like goes i always associate spiritual growth and awakening with you know maturation and experience and wisdom with age i suppose you know because that's a way we can make sense of things oh you grow older you get wiser and it's almost like it's a trade-off a payoff for losing youth gaining wisdom and i guess we must have been talking about that kind of thing when he told me about meeting like a 17 year old lama when he was in tibet or whatever and he said that you could feel coming out of this 17 year old like divine wisdom and and i was like oh wow man i don't know i don't think i would like that i don't think i would like to be with a 17 year old i feel like i'd have to rearrange my perspective on the way that order and time and age and hierarchies and all these things all these assumptions i must have acquired you know and but talking with you i can see that oh well, you have clearness you have clearness in you so i can see that if people will are learning yoga from you however you're communicating in an explicit uh overt way the thing that will i suspect or sense is coming through is a kind of oh this person is pure i mean my guess is that you don't 
drink or take drugs and that you have a kind of that you have quite you seem like a calm clear person is that true no <laughs> <laughs> you know i no, i'm not uh, i'm not trying to be a comedian here but i yeah no that's not true i think I mean, right. Yes. And no, first of all, thank you. I mean, it's, it's, it's also this like really interesting time, right. Where, where we've had this year and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to spend an hour stating the obvious, but we like all the things that need to eventually bubble up, right. To come to the surface do. And it's just a matter of time. And maybe, maybe the, like you can keep them like really repressed till, till you leave your body. And then you'll just have to deal with it the next round, you know. But I think after this year, especially, um, you know, like before I might have I might have responded like, oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. But yeah, no, that's not true. This year especially has been a, a really, I think, right? It's a big awakening. And it may we may look back and go like, oh, it was a big awakening within a bigger awakening within a bit. But it doesn't matter. This, this year has been a real, you know, eye-opener and and really for me just speaking from kind of where I am right now so what else can I do um you know a lot of the things that I feel like have been distracting me or rooting me in this kind of I don't know otherness such as drinking or you know I, I don't do any drugs but the drinking thing is like something I'm really looking at. And I just feel like I should be honest about that. I'm not having, you know, a pandemic of like binges, but I've just been noticing the things that I attribute to like a reward or like I'm noticing, oh, every time I get angry and, and this sort of thing starts to come up is actually after I've had wine, you're like, I'm really starting to focus on these things. And also the older I get, the more time and energy I'm taking to kind of consider where I come from and like the alcoholism that, that ran in um, my parents' families and, and then my kind of families beyond that. And, and so that's part of it, but I'm all, but also there are other ways. It's not just, in alcohol that I'm kind of considering that for instance I'm I'm 36 but I'm learning Spanish for the first time I never learned it in school because I'm half Mexican and that feels really important right now being a native Texan um, being a fair skinned yoga teacher in America you know like all of these things but anyway you know what by some miracle he did not bark he's just laying here like a little angel uh, the one thing I wanted to share with you was about Chris and the movie was, I mean, maybe I could find you a photo. We, we're actually talking about maybe creating a little something. I don't know why, but that we could share with people of this, this film that never made it. It was a horror is an indie film, of course, but it's a horror film that Chris, my business partner co-wrote and he directed it. I play a character named Polly Black, short, pixie, the little flapper curls, lots of makeup, plays a Gibson, like, so, so I will try, but I will tie this into kind of the, the, the response of like, no, I mean, I'm as, as, I'm as pure as one can be when 
committed to a curiosity of like what center feels like. So, but I also sometimes feel like I'm in the crossfire of two parts of me, which now I'm starting to have a shit ton to learn, of course. Now I'm starting to realize like that's the whole thing, right? But when I was younger, I felt very torn or not torn rather, but split of like, I would go to yoga. I would learn about the yamas, the niyamas, asana, pranayama, all that. And then I'd like go to the theater or go to set and I would... I would devote myself to the work in the same way, but then I would kind of nurture myself differently, like with a beer after rehearsal or a cigarette or, you know, kind of staying up late. It was like really leading these kind of split, not split personalities, but split worlds. And so, yeah, that's how I met Chris was in that kind of nightlife, the nightlife of the work. And I, I want to give myself credit and oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like someone from a fairy story, you. Just sat there in white, in front of them flowers with a black dog on your shoulder, howling. Um, okay, so let, let me let me re- let me focus here. So so yeah, it wasn't like I was a split personality gal, but it was like I was trying and I was pulled in in both of these directions, and I only feel like now I'm starting to see. And honestly, it's through the gift, even though it's scary to show up and and talk about myself. I feel, not that we're only talking about me, but you know what I'm saying, hopefully. I'm only now starting to see how the two of them really actually are beautifully woven together and how that's the whole I am thing. Like, I don't have to be an actress or a teacher or a kids yoga teacher or, you know, I'm all of these things. I am grace. And then one day I'm nuts, you know? So, so, so yeah, met Chris, indie film, we just got along really great. I think the one thing that I'm far enough away from it now that I can say, and also I believe in training as, as a performer for a reason, right? My mentor used to say, what do actors, or, you know, like, what do, what do you need to do if you want to go sing at the Met? You need to train, right? What, what if you want to do, if you want to be a professional ballet dancer, you need to work at the bar, right? Um, a professional pianist, right? You have to do your scales. Actors, like, if they want to really raise the bar and, and train as an actor, what did, what did they do? Like they go in the green room and have a cigarette. So I really came from a background of like, we all need this vocabulary to be able to, to have a structure or, or a language to work together in a way that feels meaningful and has integrity. So I think that Chris, and like I said, all I can, I can try and just make fun of myself and say, I was very, I took what I did back then not that I don't now, because I do, but just in a different way, very seriously. And I think that Chris saw that, and um, we we had a lot of mutual friends that, that I think also connected us in a really natural way. And uh, in a nutshell, he started a YouTube channel with his now wife, my darling friend, Hyla Johnson, and she and him created this cooking channel that was geared towards kind of the everyday person. And it was also really funny. I think, well, what do I know? But I think you would enjoy it in that it was, it was very raw and it was very real and um, yeah, kind of, kind of a comedy show too, you know, but it really did teach people who, you know, just wanted to cook themselves some food or maybe cook a loved one some food without 
being a total embarrassment, how to, how to maybe put some love into it and, and get her done. So they had created that channel. And I think Chris was really interested in growing that and learning more for his own reasons, kind of evolution as a person and, and artist. And by the time we met, it took us a couple of years to actually get the YouTube channel off the ground. I was quite scared, not of Chris and, and not of anything that we would create together, but because I hadn't united these worlds of like this thing I did and this thing I grew up with, which is the theater <laughs> and the arts with this thing that almost, you know, I thought I found, but looking back, I'm like, it definitely found me. There's just, there's no way. I mean, my mom and dad were kind of mind, body, soul people are, are mind, body, soul people. Um, of course, there's a lot of breath and yoga and, and connecting to the body in the rehearsal room. But believe it or not, it's like this YouTube channel, this opportunity to do the YouTube channel that was so scary, of course, then, because I thought, well, what would my mentors think of this, you know? And what would the master teachers think of this? And I was very, very not worried, but very mindful of what I was doing and how I was relaying information in the beginning because I wanted it. I mean, I wanted it to work. There's the perfectionist side of me that was like, I want this to be useful and I want it, I, I don't like to do, th I want to do things right, you know? So boom, then it began. And I think that because I was not teaching in a kind of, yoga flow studio, which by the way, didn't exist of course in Austin then, but because of the fact that I did a lot of stuff on my own, <laughs> for better or worse, in the beginning, that translated to the YouTube channel. And so it really was, sorry to answer your question, it really was kind of one and the same, just different mediums. I was kind of showing up and, and seeing how I could keep people engaged through my, albeit bad humor, and also through kind of Man, all of these words just seem like buzzwords now, but by making it more accessible, by kind of demystifying a lot of the things that I felt made people feel uncomfortable or, or nervous or kind of unworthy to be participant. Um, yeah, very independent. Adrienne, what are those things that um, you think make yoga perhaps esoteric or difficult to access do you think that these are physical things or spiritual ideas and what's been your what is your approach to them because you sort of spoke earlier in the conversation you said that you were struck by how you'd find yourself weeping in yoga and like how like it's obviously it does that it kind of works on you doesn't it yoga when you get into it it opens you up it awakens you and even though it feels like you're doing something physical there's ultimately i suppose no separation between the physical and the mental and the spiritual and all these things kind of can beautifully coalesce in practice and i you know i'm not doing yoga as much as i used to i should i want to do it more because it did bring like it made me feel good physically and and you know in all the ways i just out of line so how what did you intuit was the were the things to exclude and the things to highlight about yogic practice in your teaching when it online i mean specifically now right online specifically I think that for me, it's almost always been about the delivery or rather the invitation. <clears throat> so 
I guess not not so much the what kind of all of these these universal tools or or the kind of now kind of buzzword things that people go oh you know you know and some of those are are problematic um, for other reasons but I think for me it's not really like the what but always the how how you're delivering it how you're letting people see you right a, a really great teacher is not right we know this giving the giving the wisdom away they're creating a space a safe space ideally where you can kind of unearth that wisdom yourself um i think in a lot of ways and i've said this before publicly you know as much as i wish it was my sparkly personality and my mostly bad sometimes good humor i think the reason people feel drawn to yoga with adrian in particular is is I really understood early on that this is about kind of creating a, a structure or a space where people could have a conversation with themselves and it not really be about me or my performance. It's like a good performance in theater, right? Like it's not the performance itself that like changes you. It's, it's what it activates in you after you leave. So I think from the very beginning, I was really focused on that with, with yoga with Adrian. So I wasn't trying to kind of pump out these like awesome, feel good, change your life flows, even though I've been known to do that from time to time, mostly in the studio, you know, because give the people what they want, but I will sneak in this, this big rug of like self-study and, and try to invite people to remember that their thoughts matter so that hopefully the, whatever experience they have with me in the studio, you know, they can take with them, you know, out into their day. With the online, especially though, I think this is why people like yoga with Adrian so much or maybe just online yoga. But what I really think is that it's hard to practice with yourself. <laughs> it's hard to love yourself. It's hard to stay curious enough to want to continue getting to know yourself. It's hard to accept yourself, your body, the changes, all, all of these things. So you, at home yoga, I should say, but I, I feel particularly with yoga with Adrian has kind of served as this portal for a reminder that, that you're not alone and that, that, that your relationship to yourself is actually the most important relationship. And I think, like I said, similar to the theater, it's like, it's not actually what happens there. People like I said, I had that weepy moment, but I was 18 years old and like probably had never yeah, like some sort of, right? I was having some some real kind of unifying moments there as a young person, right at a time where I was like looking into the water, right? And going like, who am I? But that was then. Now I'm really embracing like, the, it's not about what happens on the mat, right? It's about kind of activating and inviting yourself to have, or to be real <laughs> and to be in the process so hard that you are, just ready for whatever's real and and again activating whatever conversation needs to happen it doesn't need to happen on the mat but just activating whatever needs to be activated so that you can have a real and honest conversation with yourself as you continue up and off the mat and into your day i think that's really important and that's why when people get to the end of a video they want to come back i'm no longer motivating them with with like my sculpted arms or like my authenticity 
now they have a, an ex, a real experience that's very personal to them that will hopefully anchor them in in this belief of of like poetry or consciousness or, or whatever feels good i mean that's 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 the mantra over here find what feels good which is that meaning has you know continued to kind of shift and change for me but i think that's ultimately what it's about is trying to motivate people to have regular practice focus on the process and let that be a way of kind of anchoring their life in in something beautiful even when it's fucking hard <laughs> adrian in the world of yoga outside of like online space like i'm thinking you know spiritual festivals and people that have their own yoga franchises and yoga books and stuff like that one of the things i've been struck by is a kind of a piousness and seriousness that's somewhat at odds with a process that is largely about you know transcendence of attachment and ego the point of these asanas and the this way of life is to sort of be free of those kind of requirements you seem like you don't take yourself, uh, please don't take this in a way, you just don't seem like you take yourself incredibly seriously in a pompous way. You seem very, very relaxed and at ease and in, I guess even on a conversational level um, accessible. How, how, do you, how have you found it being part of that world and part of that community and how do other teachers that i sometimes speaking personally found sort of somewhat aloof how did they like uh, react to you how did they react to me that's a good uh, all everything you had set up until that i was like yes i think it's because this is that and then how did they react to you? that's a different question that's a cool question because um like i said just in the spirit of transparency in the beginning i would never have admitted this in the beginning either because I was because I was trying to not compete, but I was trying to hold my ground. Um, but now that I'm a little bit more mature, I can say without a doubt in the beginning, I was I was very concerned with what other people would think in, in the yoga world. I, I was. That would, it would be a lie to say I wasn't because I had because to me that's that's really those were the people I looked up to. And, you know, some of them still teaching now and kicking butt, as my mom would say, and like just really wonderful. But I do feel like there's been a shift and I feel like that's part of the responsibility I feel now. But but going back to the early days, an example I can give is when we were doing the videos, which was slow going. I mean, this was... This was not a business. This was not a public health project. Like this was a tiny little creative side thing that we would do. Maybe it would help some people. Maybe, maybe if we worked really, 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 really hard on it, it could like pay some of my flip phone bill, you know, my, my flip phone. But it was, it was, it was a tiny passion project. Um, so I say that because it wasn't like we were starting a business, which I think has a lot to do with how it all went down in the way that I chose to share. I didn't feel like I had to be an expert. In fact, if anything, Chris was encouraging me to to stop, you know, 
cut that tone of voice and just be myself, even though he had, you know, not that he was completely uh, had, you know, not that he had zero knowledge of yoga or anything, but you know, that wasn't his background, but he could still tell like, let's, let's kind of approach this more like Adrian and the friend, how about it? Eh? And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, we always say, and it's still very true. We've been thinking about this a lot lately that the real inspiration for the YouTube channel was more of a Mr. Rogers exchange, you know, ah. where he speaks right from his heart on the level, invites people to come in for a conversation, but it, it is an offering, right? We're not there to kiss Mr. Rogers socks as he changes his shoes, you know, like we're there to, to coexist with him and, and like follow his kind lyrical, you know, tone, energy, song and, and learn in a space that feels safe and fun and creative and that spoke to like many different people ages i, I don't mean to interrupt but like mr rogers like we now know was like uh highly educated really understood christianity and theology deeply was an expert in communication had sort of a strong ideology around community and i don't i i don't like this isn't to query the authenticity of mr rogers i think the authenticity was part of it that there was a sort of folksy wholesome but actually theologically well underwritten approach to reaching people and connecting people and it's a, a good reference it seems to me that what you may you know i suppose anyone that sort of um achieves success must it must be a blend of kind of uh, intuitive talent effort work luck and it seems like um like that you part of your intuitive talent is you're a very good communicator and that i wonder how that um how that relates to your work as an actor like the, how you see it uh, where the crossover between teaching and performance like for, for me right i'm a stand up comic i've done acting i suppose i am an actor i like of and I'm like do a lot now of like my sort of stand up comedy has because of stuff that I've done on YouTube, because of books I've written, because I've been public about my recovery from drugs and alcohol. The stuff I do as a stand up comedian is increasingly become, if not, I hope it's not didactic, but it is, I don't know, mm, it's somewhat instructive. And there's a sort of a dialogue that has certainly it's beyond entertainment in its aims, what I do now. And that's interesting is an interesting thing it's interesting to manage that space it's interesting to sort of not take myself too seriously to not get caught up in the the feeling because i'm sure you must have with you know the, all of your millions of followers all of your devotion and success it's particularly given that it's in the realm of yoga there must be people sort of saying you've saved me since i've been doing this i feel this thing and that thing you know so I suppose I wonder how you straddle, forgive the word, the kind of spiritual aspect of what you do, the performative aspect of what you do, and uh, kind of what's projected onto you as you become increasingly successful and you are more able to define the direction of your, let's call it, sort of, you know, career or mission or however you see it. How do you deal with all of these things, Adrian? Well, going back to to what I said in the beginning, I feel like there is part of me that just always feels like this journey is being held and, and guided and, and kind of tended to by something bigger 
That's hard for me to say, right? Because that could come off as like, oh, I feel like I'm just a child of God here to... That's not what I'm saying, but I, I, will, I will just share that it feels sometimes like I'm just trying to surrender and go along for the ride in a way that feels useful and meaningful. That's hard, isn't it, to surrender and go along with the ride? It's so hard, especially now in the world of this. Like, like take me back to the live theater experience where it's like one and done. and But like right now, right, it's like um, the digital era is, yeah, it's challenging. I feel like, um, you know, one of the ways I, I feel like I've been influenced to kind of hold my own is that I started off really kind of slow on the YouTube channel, just sharing like the foundational things. I really feel like, again, how you share information is so much more important than the, the information when it comes to yoga. And I know that that might wrinkle some brows, but for me, right, it, I don't really care how much you know, I care about what you're doing and how you're moving through life with whatever you do know, like deeply know, I'm not talking like a quiz on the eight limbs of yoga. I'm talking like self-knowing and, and the whole experience with the YouTube channel has been really interesting because do I want to go back to 2012, 13, 14, 15, even 16 and take those videos down and just start fresh? Of course I do, you know, <laughs> because in Why, a lot what of was wrong with that stuff. Nothing's wrong with it, but the, the world right now is different, right? I, I, there's nothing there that I regret. I just feel like my journey, right? I'm evolving uh, on my journey and, and kind of straddling <laughs> the, the, the kind of experience of my practice, my journey with now this responsibility um, of, of honestly being a role model in this conversation. And again, I know that's bold of me to say, I think even maybe a year ago, I wouldn't have had the guts to say that, but after this year, oh gosh. I mean, having a YouTube channel, having a huge library of free online yoga and meditation, particularly for your the way you're feeling versus like the way you look, you know, um, pre-pandemic and having that already there when, when the pandemic started, I mean, that was a lot. That was a lot. It's been a lot. So I'm kind of coming off of this year-long journey of, of just kind of looking at, yeah, how to how to keep going in a way that feels like I'm giving enough space for, for my own spiritual growth, I guess. And also, con you know, continuing to stand my ground and hold space, um, in a way that is useful now, not not in 2012, but now and moving forward. And you can feel, right, it feels heavy the way I talk about this. And I know I'm not being as articulate as I actually wish here, but but hopefully the the feeling is coming through of, of, I feel like my relationship to kind of the yoga and the practice and the community and all that jazz, you know, has really changed from then to two years ago, even to now. But then that's also like a great sign, right? That that it that I should potentially keep going, but just allow it 
to shift. I always, I think you might find this funny. I always like when people are like, you've changed or I miss, I miss, what are they, you know, I miss whatever. They miss something about me. They miss my bangs. They miss when I used to joke more. They miss when I, you know, but, uh, I always think like, yeah, I'm glad I've changed. I'm glad I'm not the same woman I was in 2012. Like what, you know, like, of course, we're always changing. That's the, that's the beautiful thing that I think we should maybe embrace through this thing that we're sharing here, person on the other side, you know. Um, yeah, it's like, this is the point of all of this stuff is doing it in order to grow. In my own work let's call it i um try to continue to be honest about my own challenges my own fallibility the own dance i do with fear and desire um with caring about other people's opinions uh, with one in power and then not one in power, one in solitude and isolation and anonymity and then one in influence. And I suppose it's uh, the only reason I make this reference is because of the nature of your success is very like I spoke with um, Logan Paul and like is it like Logan Paul is a, if you don't know, I'm sure you do a sort of a huge sort of YouTube star and like, um, you know, I felt I felt like it was like talking to Elvis in the 1950s or something. That there's this new medium that's catapulted this new type of uh, that creates a new milieu of stardom that is reflective of its time. I like years ago, five years, I don't know, ten years ago, saw like outside of some place in London, like a load of kids gathered, and it was like, oh, these are the oh god, what's going on there? Oh, it's some YouTube stars or another. And now because the, you know, as Marshall McLuhan says, the medium is the message and YouTube is this sort of accessible, personable, um, necessarily somewhat ordinary, i.e. it's not about like production values. Like say when you talk about theatre, you know, it's stylistic in so much as it's on a bloody stage and you don't walk up and talk to the person and interrupt a performance. You know, this is this is a new kind of medium that's creating new kind of people. And as you say, it's a new sort of time. And I think we'd like it is a time where we're thinking about new forms of community. And when I hear people talking about getting back to normal, I think, wow, how could you not realize what a tremendous shock and opportunity this situation has been? That this is a, an invitation to really look at the way we're organizing ourselves, our lives, our community and culture and rather rather than hankering after returning to something that had so many problems and challenges in it, we should be looking at what we're being guided towards, you know. So um, I guess I still am asking because you didn't really quite tell me like how you as an actor see yourself playing the role of Adrian, the teacher, I'm interested in how you, what you consider the possibilities about building, building communities in the future could be. And, and, and again, I suppose about the revelation of your own vulnerability as you continue to move forward. I know those are three sort of quite differing things. Different, but all the same. Yeah, thank you for circling back to that, because I think that is one of the unique things about my story and the only reason I feel like, you know, it's fun to hear people's stories. Fun. It is fun. But it's it really is valuable to hear people's stories because it helps you kind of 
hopefully it, it inspires you to reflect on on your own like what what is my story i think a lot of people we don't make time for that sort of contemplation um so for me a big part of my story is is that as a young actor i kind of fell into this family this training that was very physical um that was run by a company in new york city called City Company, S-I-T-I. And I had trained with them in, in upstate New York. And before you're like, oh no, where is she going? I didn't ask for life story. This is, this is I'm, I'm gonna address the, the kind of connection of, of how to kind of be a performer and then the ways in which even unintentionally, like unconsciously that started to show up in the YouTube channel over the years. And, and so I met this company, I trained with them rigorously, same thing, youngest person in the room, very vulnerable, working very hard. In fact, my biggest note after putting in a lot of sweat and specificity and energy was like, okay, you're doing it right, little lady. Now where find the joy, you know? And I was humiliated. Now I go, oh, thank you. What a great note. Then, you know, I was humiliated. I was completely that that feeling of heat and and horrible warmth that just encapsulates you when you feel humiliated. I felt that when one of my idols to this day still, and, and I'm grateful enough to call a friend, you know, came up to me and said, okay, now find the joy. Like you're doing it right, but it's not, it's not there. You, you know, it's empty. It's like, what? And so, so this was a physical training that is actually derived from bits of Japanese no theater, which is kind of all about specificity, of course, and American ballet. So kind of Japanese no theater, um, American ballet. It's uh, also very much about the voice and of course, then your breath. Um, so there was a lot of crossover. Again, I won't, I won't go too deep, but there was this, all of this crossover. So we're not just talking like, I got, I went for a theater degree and then, then it like showed up in my yoga or like I was a dancer. And so that showed up in my yoga. It was like a really, I was really like physically and philosophically like in the zone, you could say for, for wherever I was at that stage of my life anyway, when I started to teach and especially when I started to lead on the channel. So that influence has had more I would say that has more to do with how I teach than any yoga teacher training with, with respect to, to my training, of course, or any workshop or any book. You know, a lot of what I was most influenced by was my, my training there in the theater. And so a lot of that was about instead of acting, right, like, I'm such a good actor. Look how hard I'm working on stage for you. The spit is flying out of my mouth and I'm going to make you feel something now, you know, like here and now. It was instead an approach of I'm going to, and I think this is like a Mr. Rogers, it's all weaving together, but, you know, I'm going to do my dramaturgy. I'm going to sit down with the company. This is how I was trained by my mentors. We are going to, before we even get our fancy costumes and our dressing rooms and the, you know, the things that most, you know, the attention, like you got to earn it, do the work, right? Do the work, also important these days. So 
we were learning to sit down at a table, everyone come in with a research project, whether we're working with the classical text or modern text, and, and learn and like dig deep and ask questions, have it all inside you, do all your homework, and then, this is the most important part, throw it away, and then show up for rehearsal. And then we have this shared vocabulary, we have this common knowledge that we're gonna build on in the moment. So a lot of that training too is about building a shared vocabulary that then you could create um, work with, you know, with, with the company. And so blocking, for example, just as a fellow performer to, to another performer here, you know, we wouldn't block the show, okay, and then on this line go upstage and then, you know, we would have the text, you had to have all your text memorized, there's no holding your script, you're out, dude, if you're holding your script. It's all in there is the idea, right? All the dramaturgy, all of the text, and then you're able to work in the moment with your breath, with your body, and then we create from there. And I know this is kind of deep and I don't know if this will translate, you know, for for you now or for for friends listening, but, but there is something about that process that then I took into the yoga. You know, I always knew it wasn't cool to me, didn't feel right to like show everyone how much I knew about yoga. I mean, to this day, I mean, it's funny, I'm kind of going back now and going like, yeah, Maybe um, we, Chris and I now co-founded an app, Find What Feels Good, which is um, super affordable uh, and essentially offers the community a place to give back, to keep the free yoga going on because people always want to donate or everything. And I, I can't tell you how many checks I've torn in half, come in the mail, just torn in half. So we created the app as a place for people to kind of invest in giving back to the free stuff, but it's also, of course, as you would imagine, a place where people could go a little deeper. So it's only now that I'm actually going back to some of that knowledge because people are so hungry because they want to know, they want to know what books to read and, and what can they study and they want to train and they want to share. And I want to be there for that process, I, I think. And so it's only now that I'm kind of going back to some of the the OG texts and stuff like that. But I think there's this big element of, of doing your homework and making sure you're prepared, trusting that it's inside your body and then, and then showing up and, and then just create, right. We're not putting on a show. We're living it, dude. We are like, and that's the whole premise of yoga with Adrian to this day. I don't even care how many subscribers, right. It's, it's you and me. It's you and me and Benji. It's, you know, we are one, right? It's silly, but we we are. We are this thing through the YouTube is become, like I said earlier, like a portal for us to remember that we're not alone. It's this like practice space for self-study. And I like uh, John O'Donohue talks about the inner custodian. Like it's a place for you. Like there's no performance. Like in a studio, there's always somebody watching. You, you want the teacher to tell you if you're doing it right. And this is kind of what I was trying to say earlier. I don't think I landed there. It's like as much as I wish it was me that, you know, just inspired people to know. And it's the experience they're having there that, that gives them that spark. That's like, whoa, I felt something. I felt myself, you know? And, and oh man, maybe my thoughts 
thoughts do matter. And, and maybe the, and, you know, they start to see the more regularly they show up too. Cause I do think that it's about that consistency truly that, that starts to become an anchor. The once, once in a blue moon, 90 minutes, sweat your ass off yoga class. To me, that's not really an anchor for me personally. Um, the other way I feel like the, the acting too was really shown up in a similar way is, yeah, it really is. And I can tie this into the vulnerability too. And tell me what you think about this actually, because, but I really feel strongly that yeah, I try to just focus on on my work with the awareness of other people's work, but obviously not not spend too much energy questioning or judging the way other people are choosing to share information. But I, I do feel like I experience, you know, not as a yoga teacher, just as a human, that sometimes unintentionally too, you know, there's power being sucked away from an individual versus kind of, creating a sustainable, healthy relationship where we're both empowered. So I think one way of, of maybe doing that as a guide is to be vulnerable enough and, and brave enough to let people see you for who you really are. And as an actor, that was something we focused on as a nerdy actor, right? Not showing this actor, but like embodying the person, the role. I feel like to be that you've explained really beautifully how you're able to incorporate your experience as a performer into your work as a teacher, how your vulnerability helps you. I loved what you said about the embodiment of your the embodiment of knowledge and not the sort of grandstanding and demonstration of knowledge. I guess that's what I'm thinking I was alluding to a little bit when I said, um, you know, about when I was like, I was well into like Ashtanga for a while. I've been well into Kundalini for a while. I've got into the cults of personality that are around, say, Guru Murk, who I dig in sort of Kundalini. But then around Ashtanga, where it's all sort of like where there's such fine physical specimens and they're like, promo work is them in some unlikely position, you know? Like, and it's sort of almost like athletics or whatever. You know, it's it's nice that the knowledge is in your body and that there's a sort of, yeah, you know, like people, I guess one of the cliches about you is accessibility, yoga teacher next door type stuff. Um, how do you then deal with the power of yoga? Um, the kind of, do, here's some questions I think approach this area. Do you believe in God? And how important do you think being explicit about the role of God is when teaching yoga and then what your feelings about sort of India and sort of esoteric practice and like yogis, like we, you know, sadhus, ash covered people, like what is it called that festival? Kumbhala or Kamala, that one where it's like people heading to the Ganges and folk look, look like Ganesh and stuff. You know, what do you feel <laughs> about that kind of more whoa type yoga? Yeah. Well, when I was like tidying up this desk for for you, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just a little tidy. Just gotta gotta stick with the. Anyway, I knocked over the little Ganesh. And I was like, oh, not today. Let's keep, you know, let's keep you nice and steady. These are great questions. Yeah, I think uh, to connect the dots, I think 
allowing someone to really see who you are, um, meaning like see every finger, every toe, every messed up hair, you know, uh, is a really powerful way of teaching it. And of course it can also feel very um, scary and, and, and vulnerable because um, because you're in charge of kind of keeping that moving, right? It can't just be like, look at me, oh. like you, we have to kind of keep, keep, well, yeah, we want to keep the curiosity, I really think is what it's all about going. And so my relationship and how I talk about God, I think has also shifted a lot, you know, in the the studio. Yes, I believe in God. I pray every day every night but but potentially multiple times a day these days i feel like you know well actually i I told a friend this recently i was sitting with her in uh, the hospital recently and it was a a really unique moment because she had um been going in she's been in a process of healing and she's been going in, but she hasn't been able to have people with her at the hospital because of COVID. And, and so very recently I was able to go and sit with her. And I told her that right before she went in for her surgery, I said, this is my dear friend. I have no, normally no problem talking about myself with, with my dear friends. And I felt this nervousness, but I felt like I should tell her the truth, which is during this, this pandemic, I've been praying a lot more like, rigorously and not just for for those who are in healing and and suffering but just as in my own personal routine I've been praying a lot more and I felt like both of us just kind of held our breath for a second as I told her and I you know I've been praying for you every single night and as soon as you go in for this surgery I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna pray in the car and I really wanted to pray there with her and I know she would have, she's, she is a very spiritual person, but it, it was an interesting moment for me. I mean, that moment was about her, but only in reflection of that moment, I took away something for me, which was like, you should have just said, said, hey, insert her name here. Can, can I say a little prayer? Or may I say a little prayer here? Because that's what I felt very, very, very pulled to do. And instead, I I did this Adrian thing where I was like, I'm going to gift this moment with the prayer, but I'm not going to impose it in this moment. And, you know, like I just overthought it. And and I did. And we had to exchange some love and tears. And then off she went. And sure enough, I went in the car, turned turned the car on because we're in Texas. It's hot. And then I and then I said the prayer. This is a great example of kind of what I feel like I'm experiencing with my friends in the community and particularly, you know, the YouTube channel is so interesting because it used to just be the YouTube channel. Now it's almost like the YouTube channel is the invitation into our community. Like everybody's welcome. And the truth is like, everyone is welcome. Um, But often, you know, I started the channel in 2012. I will speak about a higher power or the divine or uh, yeah, a, a greater power you know than ourselves the bigger picture spirit but i i don't say god because i was always trying to i didn't want you know that that faction of of humans that would hear that and go oh and and step away 
one of my big roles is 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 to keep people there you know not because of me but for themselves right to make it easier for them to show up that's the first goal take out all the hurdles and i'm still working on that now how can i take out this hurdle how can i make it easier for martha to show up you know whoever and then the second part is how do i convince them to stay again not for me but for themselves so i've kind of always not edited but just been aware of the conversation however in light of what i've shared my personal journey in this last year which really you know has a lot to do with pandemic but but and not to minimize any of that but it really has a lot with me just kind of staying in one place and not traveling gallivanting all over the world and and getting on big stages even to perform yoga or to share yoga and to to kind of be in this performance space it's really i think come up just because i've been with myself and and so yeah I think now that we have the app too and and I write a love letter every week as I have for many many years I've never missed one a Sunday love letter it's never quite been a newsletter um yeah I'm using my voice more and more to have a real conversation around spirit and around God and my family is very spiritual and for me the practice has always been very very spiritual right and it's funny because now it's old had to be like oh it's not about the poses but like it's it's been something that is you know I don't want to as my mentor would say put too much cream on the taco but it has always been <laughs> look at me it has always been i'm slamming my fist in my hand <laughs> It always it always has been of utmost importance for me to communicate that this is a practice of self-study and knowing yourself little less and and big ass the big self the the part of you that is also one with a higher power and I can almost get kind of weepy just thinking about how simple that is and how we're overcomplicating that particularly in the wellness industry said with a frown, you know, like it, and it feels hard for me. That's the hardest thing I feel these days is it's not hard for me to be myself. It's hard to feel like being myself is, is also a contradiction to like what other people are learning about yoga. It's just, uh, it's exhausting. And I'm, I'm here for it, you know, like as of right now, I mean, there may come a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I think I might be more useful here. Go back to Shakespeare, or, you know, probably not. But, you know, like I think I'm here for it. But I, I do think at the time of this conversation, anyway, I feel like I'm coming out of a somewhat weary phase. And, and I'm excited to kind of see what the next phase entails. And I, I do think a lot of it is, is kind of just working on make, making sure my energy isn't kind of fighting and holding up like this industry of wellness or, or um, potentially defending might be the right word myself as we ask the good hard questions that we should be asking about, about these practices and, and how they're useful in the way we show up with them with respect and reverence but 
man, I'm kind of rambling now, but what I'm trying to say is I believe in God and I believe that yoga is a profound spiritual practice for, for, for everyone. It may not be for everyone, but I, I believe it can be a value for everyone. And uh, I don't think it has to be that complicated as simply showing up to unite yourself with what, whatever matters most for you. And if you don't show up, <laughs> you don't, you risk never having an anchor in consciousness, in, in, you know, potentially consciousness. Um, I spoke to Vandana Shiva a couple of weeks ago, she, the Indian academic and activist and scholar. She Her did. voice, amazing. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Huh? She said a thing sort of similar to you about the sort of the simplicity of this, um, the personal interface with the divine and how powerful we are and the power for change that abides in that. She um, also talked about how sort of simple spirituality can be, that it doesn't have to be a esoteric academic thing. She sort of spoke about the folk wisdom of the, I think, mostly women that taught her when she was growing up, you know, though she had a guru, you know, given her tradition and her uh, you know, country of origin. But she sort of talked about like just learning from women in the village where she grew up and it doesn't have to be this very sort of taxing cerebral thing but rather a felt and embodied wisdom about what's right i mean it doesn't need to be this sort of complex debate about principles and ethics it's something that's felt i like what you said and all about um praying or like not praying with your friend i'm like being a 12-step type person in recovery i'm praying with you know usually for me men other men something I do quite frequently, you know, and sometimes if there's a sort of a profound conversation or a moment that needs recognition, I pray with men one-on-one -on -one. and it's intimate, isn't it? It's intimate and I can see why there's this uh, sort of sometimes this sense of um, tension between the transition between here we are communicating just as friends and now we're moving into this space where we're admitting to a lot we're like there is great power in prayer but also great vulnerability there is this kind of a stripping back as you say of the uh small s self and this sort of kind of ghouling giddying revelation of the power that can be in being raw and bare before god sometimes you know i pray every day also that kind of prayer that's done alone you know i do it all the time and sometimes i forget that it's meant to just be to a degree conversational not sort of a highly ritualized sort of oh, you know steeped in sort of gothic drama it can just be a very private and intimate chat sometimes when it's with other men like i feel it more and like i suppose a situation in a situation like you describe where there is where the love comes to the surface the love comes to the surface when you're concerned about somebody else and i hope she's okay obviously by the way um like that it can be challenging to to go there but in a sense you are going there all the time in your classes and what you do and i'm very curious about where you plan to go with that and you know though i recognize that what you're saying is that it's more overt in your newsletter for the more um um engaged or committed or however you would describe it members of your community 
I'm very interested to see how you do it publicly in real life, you know, when there are, presumably when there are public events again. And I'm interested in that. I'm interested because in a way, Western yoga is untethered from Eastern yoga. I know there is an intercommunication that there's Yogananda and Vivekananda and all these traditions of yogis coming to the West and all that. You know that, and yeah, and even more recently, Bikram and you know all of the sort of great teachers, and I know there's some complexity within that, of course, but like, um, in a way, how do we how do we overcome this fetishization of individualism, and how do we overcome turning yoga into another commodity, and how do we uh, what did the, the Jenny who I work with she says I think maybe it's a phrase optimization do you know that is that a phrase everyone uses it's sort of like you know yoga in order to make you better or yoga to make you sexier or better your job or whatever as opposed to yoga to make you you know free of yourself more you more you <laughs> yeah yeah more you yeah yeah the optimization it's a great word for kind of what we're seeing online with the digital exchange, particularly with yoga. Um, but I also feel like feeling kind of positive today. I don't know. I feel like I'm also witnessing it shift. And I, I do think that this last year in particular has potentially expedited that a little, who knows, who cares? But I am also seeing this shift from kind of the yoga booty, um, yeah, we'll stick with that one. I can think of a couple other ones. But the yoga booty era, I feel like we are, I think we are starting to change the the kind of language and like realize that people are searching actually now for yoga to quell anxiety or like yoga for a panic attack. And, and I think then that just means if you're going to put out something that says yoga for PTSD, you need, you know, you need to take full responsibility for, for that offering and um, just make sure it's coming from the right place. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think it's okay to really optimize these things now as we shift out of the yoga booty and six-pack abs and thigh gap phase, thank goodness, and more into the yoga for, you know, our mental health, spiritual well-being and and... And I also want to go on the record, and I'm not, this is, I, this potentially could sound like I'm, and maybe it is, just trying to, you know, do the Adrian, I want everyone to like me thing. But I do, I do feel that it's very honest when you say, I, I dig what everyone's doing, you know, like I dig, I dig it, like in, in, in the yoga world in particular, you know, like I dig it, I dig the old school folks, I dig the young teachers, oh, so beautiful, like, I dig my my peers or colleagues and I'm aware that that sounds like I just want to be everyone's best friend and I kind of do but but also I, I really dig what, what's happening for me I'm trying to focus on the at home yoga experience the one thing you do at home is truly no nothing required just for you to show up and this sounds like a gimmick but it's not the hardest part is showing up and if you can get yourself there and then for for you or I, and I won't speak for you, but it could be like, it's kind of poetic, right? If you could drop to your knees once a day and just be again, kind of 
too simple to be true. Then like money, right? Healing, space for growth, knowing yourself. You know, I think we are such like beautiful, well-intentioned people, particularly right now at the end of this pandemic phase. I, I, I think, right, there's been an awakening. We have this inkling like, okay, wait, I do want to mindfully step forward uh, one present moment right into the next. Like I feel like it's a serious threshold <laughs> happening here. But without the regular practice or uh, like any sense of what it feels like to just be anchored in an ongoing process, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't really know how we are going to be able to achieve all of our positive, well-intentioned aspirations, um, particularly in the service of others. That's something I'm really thinking about a lot these days because I know a lot of people will be listening to this, but I feel comfortable saying with you, you know, the growth in the last year has been, you think I'd be really excited, right? Like doing happy dance. And, and I am excited that, that so many people are dropping to their knees and getting on the mat and, and um, you know, seeing the breath kind of as a, as a physiological right thing versus like this, oh, this we just told to breathe in yoga, you know. We're really, we're starting to, to learn more and more how valuable that is. I'm wondering, and uh, kind of per what you said too, about like, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm pretty scared because the growth has been so much so in the past year that I wonder how, how can I remain a helper and like a person of service when it seems I've become popular. I don't, I know I can do it, but I'm just being honest in this moment of like, it was easier when I was kind of just like this, like gal from Texas. I mean, I'm still this gal from Texas, but, but I, I just want to be conscious of that moving forward because ultimately, right. We're, we're in this practice of knowing ourselves so that we can equip ourselves, right. To be of service. I decided long ago that I wanted to be on the path of helping others through through service versus like just being a famous actress. Not to say I didn't think the arts provide that because obviously they they really do provide a wonderful shared space for healing and growth and discovery. And um, my goodness, what am I saying? I feel like, I do feel like there's a challenge moving forward in maintaining the level of integrity and focus on service that I've had in previous. I may not be for everyone, I get that. Like, that would be ridiculous. Like, I would, that, but for me personally, and, and for our team, right? We're a team now, and for the community, it's like, how do we keep this a service-led, kind of community-led? I see a lot of yoga businesses and, and, and beautiful teachers, again, that I dig, but it's almost like the community is like a, branch of the business versus for us truly this was a community that then we all of a sudden it was like Chris and I woke up one day and we were like oh man we have a business like we need to open a bank account I'm like we have to learn these things like a lot of my journey has been self-taught and I feel that that journey is continuing, but but yeah, I feel a lot of responsibility right now. 
you know, in a week I'll probably feel a little lighter, but I, I do feel a little kind of the heaviness of, you know, like what's next, what's to come. I know I'm not alone in that, but. I think you're doing incredibly well. And I think the burden of being an innovator as you clearly are in various ways means that, that you have to almost by definition venture into new territories and that can be lonely and isolating. I think success in whatever field you experience it in has an alienating component. It's encouraging that you've spoken so frequently about mentors and, and I feel that your ongoing humility and your flexibility and your willingness to be open is um, going to take care of you. It sounds like you're well taken care of and that you're supported, I mean, by your own resources as well as external, you know, associated resources, friends, for want of a better word. And I think you're wonderful. I'd love to do something with you one day. If we can think of something to do together, I'd be so into it. I would be too. I think you're quite wonderful too. And I, I really admire, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how many plates you have to spin to kind of wear your heart on your sleeve and, and share openly and freely. Cause you think, Oh sure. Openly and freely. It's just, you're confident and you know who you are and you're all healed up from that phase, that thing that happened to you. And you learn so much about yourself and just go, but um, I think for anyone interested in, in being a active participating citizen, a good community member, a good neighbor, a good leader, good artist. Uh, I think you have to remember that it really is about kind of spinning a lot of plates at the same time. And I think that, I don't know if this resonates with you, but it's been my experience with you that you are like a rock star at that. And that's something that I feel like I've been learning how to do myself is like, how can I be aware of what's happening over here while also being right here while telling this bad joke here? And also, you know, you kind of, you kind of know what the audience is looking at. And at the same time, as we said before, you're just allowing them to see all parts of you. Um, so there's this like, there's two things going on. You're like kind of controlling the room and then also you're in the moment so that you can really actually be, be present. It's, it's, this is probably a whole other conversation, but I feel like you're really good at that. And I feel like that's something that I've been learning and working on. And I see it a lot when I'm in a live experience with people, right? Where you really are trying to multitask, but in a really present way, I think you're very good at that. I'd be completely honored and thrilled to invite in the opportunity for us to do something together. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, and today. We can bring our dogs, bring Benji, I'll bring my dog Bear. That will ensure a significant level of chaos. Yes, and interest because, you know, people are attracted to animals. There's no question. I mean, your dog was sat there at points. I felt like he was sort of, as you spoke very vulnerably and openly, Benji sat there almost like a dog of stone, diligently guarding the gateway to your heart, I felt <laughs> at points. Very severe there on your couch in the corner. He's such a doll. He's such a great teacher. I, I'm i reading this um, book right now that was published after I'm, it's my second mention of Don, uh, John O'Donohue, but um, Walking Through Wonder. I just I just started Walking Through one Wonder. You know, it's about wonder. And there's a chapter about animals. And 
it's true. Man, the animals have so much to teach us. Okay, I'm not going to go off on that. Actually, I don't going to be that girl. But I love the dogs. People really love having Benji in the video. And I like to use Benji. You know, obviously, I'm in love with him and he's my best friend. But I actually use Benji as like a way to deflect some of the attention off of myself too. You know, like if I have to keep up with social media, fine. I got it for now. We'll see about the future. But I, I like to use Benji as like my subject, my muse. So it's like less me and these kind of yoga poses and just more Benji, just being. And actually, I, I don't know if I can talk about it yet, but we I am kind of using some of my creativity, this like itch that I've been wanting to scratch um, with a friend of mine who's on my team. And we're creating some kind of potentially lovely feel good art around Benji and his ability to just be so stay tuned <laughs> but, you know I mean but it's it's kind of our way of embracing like how everyone loves Benji but it's also you know the truth is we're not doing any touring or live events so our head of touring and live event, events was also an old friend of mine and someone I really look up to we just decided let's take that energy then and make a little art project you know we also did a kind of get out the vote cartoon with Benji last year to help people get to the polls here in the US so it's fun well, Adrian thank you very much for sharing this time with me thank you for including me in your uh, gentle spirit and allowing me to speak with you in this way I feel very privileged to have had this time with you it's lovely to meet you thank lovely. you very much thank you for having me well, thank you for listening to Under the Skin with Adrian. Let me know what you thought of it on Instagram. You can tag me at Russell Brand or tweet me at Rusty Rockets Under the Skin. I do stuff on Twitter now. I do like, not Twitter, um, TikTok, don't I? Lovely little video. Also, my Audible Original Revelations out now. If you want a concentrated um, explanation of the process of my personal ongoing epiphany, then you'll get that from Revelation. And remember, have a listen to Above the Noise right now. Have a meditate right now. Are you on a train? Are you driving a car? Are you with a friend? Sit down and have a meditate. And remember, get on that mailing list. Anyway, if you like the uh, Adrian episode, have a listen to Eddie Stern, what a wonderful teacher he is, or Andy Puddicombe, great meditation teacher. And keep checking my YouTube channel for new videos. Thank you for listening to Under the Skin from Luminary Q Sting. Thank you for listening to Under the Skin Goodbye. So